So, um, uh, so you know, um, so you work at higher education, and we know all you have to do is turn on the news, and well, maybe not. I shouldn't say that. If you turn on certain news outlets, you will very clearly see that there's some issues when it comes to all places of education, maybe in particular higher education, problems that are uh, arising for um, uh, uh, traditional valued people, let's say. Yes. Not all, not all news organizations are going to touch this, but certain the ones that are most watched are going to touch it. And so some of the things that you're experiencing uh, at your workplace uh, are like, what? What are you seeing that's like disturbing? Um, lots of issues, political issues, um, posters, things being ar around campus that don't necessarily serve or our beliefs of the entire population on the campus, the student population. Um, we have many students and everybody pays the same amount to be there, um, very underrepresented on campus and very kind of pushed aside and they don't matter or count. So is it like a, what you say a minority view? Um, I would say at the surface level it's a minority view, but people are too nervous to bring their thoughts forward. They're too nervous um, that they will be ostracized but, in some but way. But I guess my question is, is like, the minority view the ones pushing these these, these agendas? Is it, is it the minority people or is there most people that are like that? I would say it's the minority of people, but they're the loudest. So what are some of the things? What are, You talk about posters and some agendas. What are some of the things that you're making reference to? Um, and again, this is, we're just talking about a, uh, not a, one particular place. We're talking about higher education. But in general, but right. this is what your experience is. Yep. Um, very political, you know, Black Lives Matter posters, um, the wording, you know, tie-dye t-shirts, but the word dye is D-I-E with the Black Lives Matter fist below it. Um, you know, if you were to see some sort of crucifix or something hanging on the wall, people would have problems with that. You don't mm -hmm. see that very often. There well, are, it's, not a it's not a Catholic school, right? It is not a Catholic right. school, but we have many Christian student organizations. Mm -hmm. And so you see their posters once in a while, and I've heard several people talk about those posters that, what, what are we trying to become, a religious institution and things like that, just because these students are forming clubs and students have rights to form any mm -hmm. type of club that they want as long as they get an advisor and support for it. So um, there's just lots of pushback against one agenda basically on campus. You were oh, so you mentioned the Black Lives Matter, but I know in past conversations we've had you, you say that there's a lot about the, the whole gender issue. Yes. The, maybe, maybe speak a little bit to that and what yep. you're seeing, at least in your experience of working in a higher education. Yep, higher education and, and other fields that I work in as well. I feel I have 20 jobs, but really just to, um, you know, things called the pronoun project where everybody is supposed to list their preferred pronouns at the end of their email um, signatures or wear it on their name tag, the pronouns that they prefer. Um, people change their pronouns frequently on campus. So is that a policy for staffers that they, if they have a name tag, they have to put the pronoun as well? No, it's a suggestion, a strong suggestion that comes up often mm -hmm. um, in you know, throughout the year. And it's not a, you must do, it's a, we strongly encourage you because it will make others around you feel more safe and comfortable. Mm -hmm. So so how do you respond to that? I guess I basically ignore it. That's how I respond to it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm um, vocal about my thoughts. 
at my place of work. Everybody that knows me knows where I stand. But yes, um, I do feel sort of lone wolfish at times. But mm -hmm. I know there's others that think like me, but they are just maybe not as brazen about s saying things. Right, right. And there's strength in numbers. Right. I mean, if you are the lone wolf, then you feel like you're, you become less timid. But if there's others that you know that are going to be backing you up, it's easier to speak out. Right. In your mind, what do you think it would take to change? Could you do anything to change any of it? Me individually? Yeah. Because, um, I mean, isn't that what we do? We just, like, we kind of, like, what are we going to do? What do we do? It, like, it kind of makes us enraged. But what, what can we do? Is there anything to do? I always wonder. I feel that I, I want to be a beacon for students and maybe other people on campus to align with or to come to me with maybe questions or concerns or how do I you know, deal with something like this that maybe I can help them. But I don't want to be the squeaky wheel either. Right. I don't want them to say, oh, here she comes. Oh, we don't want to be in the same room as her. So I try to pick my battles because then you're pigeonholed. Kind of. It's like, oh, that's, yeah. there's Brittany. You yeah, know? Then, here then, she comes. She's so yeah. irritating. <laughs> right. And then, and then people, then, then they just kind of throw out whatever you say. You want to be, you want to choose your battles. Right. I want what I say to have weight behind it. I want it to be well thought Tactic. and that others respect my opinions, even if they don't necessarily agree with them. It's I think that's a great way to handle it. It's interesting. We had um, uh, just recently, you know, we have... This long-standing tradition in our Catholic schools here in Duluth that we go to a place called Wolf Ridge, and it's a like a nature uh, park. I think it's a state-run organization. I don't even know exactly, yeah, but but they have got this new policy about the pronouns. About you know, it's like everybody is going to you know say what their pronoun is, and and so we were made aware of that before our school went up there just this fall, just a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. and uh, I was very happy to hear that our teacher here at our Catholic school challenged them. When, when they started doing that at the, at the camp. Because, I mean, I was ready to say, let's pull the plug on it totally. And when the teacher challenged the staff, they backed off. And they said, okay, we won't do that for your group. So it's like, I do think that there's something to be spoken of. There's so many people that are afraid to speak up that when somebody finally does, it's like, okay, we weren't expecting this. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of these people, are, they have this mob mentality that we can we can be the loudest people causing the most commotion. Everybody's going to be intimidated by us. Right. But you have to pick and choose on how you how you strike. Maybe give us an example where you've had to address the issue at the workplace. Um, I was asked to be a club leader or a club advisor for a certain group on campus, which I don't want to say the name right now. Sure. Um, but it's students that are very like-minded to mm -hmm. me and um, traditional traditional right, just yeah. you know christian yep. raised in a nuclear family exactly. yep. things like that that it just what used to be so common place mm -hmm. is now right. um challenged and and i didn't think i really wanted to do it because i didn't want to have the adversity because i knew i'd have lots of people pushing back on it but at the end of the day i did do it because these kids also need somebody there to support them they need to have an adult presence in their learning that they can come to with questions concerns issues that they're facing and and have somebody to rely on that can be in their corner so that's why i did it so it ha so you decided to do that are you getting pushback just for being that stu that teacher or that um, a staff yes. rep yes yep in what ways in um 
other clubs on campus with students uh, that are interested in becoming part of this club that I advise, the other advisors are saying, if you feel anything is is off, if they say anything to you, you make sure you tell people. And it's planting the seed that we're, we're automatically bad people because we're Christians, because we have you know, faith in our lives. We believe in the nuclear family. We don't believe in the pronoun project. We're, we're, we're con solid in our gender mm -hmm. ideologi ideologies. Um, and so it's just the constant planting of seeds. Right. And so, that's yeah. So the people that would have been considered typical average everyday person 10 years ago are now looked at as yeah. extremists. Yes. Just by the values of, like you said, the nuclear family and just Christian, Judeo-Christian values. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we're um, uh, we're talking to Brittany, who works at a local uh, higher education area uh, institution here in our listing area, and uh, we're talking about the ideas in regards to the challenges that people face. And I'm sure many people hear this uh, not only just in places of education where you're challenged with, uh, um, uh, the, let's say, um, radical. Uh, new ideologies that are really forcing the traditional people out. Uh, I know it's happening in all spectrums. I've been talking to medical doctors. I've been dealing with this also in our hospitals. And so we'll, we'll uh, continue this conversation after this brief break. Please stay with us on Real Presence Radio. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow! We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. God made you for a purpose. He made you to accomplish some great work. What did he make you for? What were you really made to do? Realize your vocation with a degree designed for the Catholic professional. The University of Mary offers online undergraduate and graduate degrees steeped in the Catholic intellectual tradition. Start today in business, nursing, bioethics, education, counseling, applied theology, and more at catholicprofessional.life. Real Presence Radio is available on Google Assistant devices, including Google Home, phones, tablets, and smart displays. To start this action, say something like, OK, Google, talk to Real Presence Radio. It will then ask what station you want to play, to which you can respond, play Sioux Falls, or play AM 970, or play WWEN. From there, you can use words like play, pause, and stop. Listen to RPR anytime, anywhere, on Google Assistant devices. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunz, along with Cindy Jennings, coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth. We're talking to Brittany about political ideologies that are very, um, should we say, leftist-leaning in public places of work and how to address that. So I think that, you know, for me, I'm just trying to find the most effective way to deal with these kind of situations. And so um, when you're there, and I think you're doing a great job of trying to kind of remain under the radar, but be out there for everybody. What else can you tell us about how to handle this kind of situation? What are, what are things that, what else are you going through in order to kind of make it so that you're kind of spreading the light or the word or I don't know. Well, I've dealt with another club advisor for the LGBTQ um, club. There, when I have an issue, I would rather just go to the source and have a conversation like an adult normally should. Um, But I did have a conversation with that advisor because my club students had told me that this advisor was telling the students from her club that wanted to sign up for the Freedom of Speech Club um, that that they should be cautious. And if there's anything that makes them uncomfortable, they should seek out help right away or let her know. And um, she happens to be up on the same floor as I, and I saw her at work, and I just asked her, approached her, and I said, is this true? Is this going on? Is this what you're telling your students? And she was very hesitant, very nervous, because I was just asking her straight out instead of going through, you know, a supervisor or somebody else. Um, Very almost defensive in a way that I was confronting her just asking as an adult, as a coworker. And I asked her if she would like to have a conversation, if she would like to have a cup of coffee, just to have a relaxed conversation, even off campus, because... um, then it would be more of a relaxed atmosphere. And she agreed to that at first. And then I received an email stating that she maybe wasn't quite comfortable with that and would like to get our a supervisor involved to be in the conversation as well. So we are planning on having a conversation with all three of us on campus because we as adults are supposed to model how adulting looks to our students that we are helping shape their future. Um, and we can't even have a conversation, just the two of us. Well, because you're such a big and an intimidating personality, yes. right? I yes. think that would be my first question. Why did you feel like you needed to bring a third person when we're just having a friendly conversation? Right. right. Let me ask you this. Are there, quote unquote, safe spaces at your campus? Um, I believe <clears throat> after the 20, uh, when, when Trump was elected, 20, yeah, uh, 2016. 2016 election, we had several safe spaces with several people wearing very large safety pins so that students on campus, if they were worried about things, they knew they could approach this person and and talk about their issues if they were upset with the election results. Um, But I think those safe spaces have gone away. I guess I really... I have. I don't seek them out, so you, I yeah, don't you know never, if they're you've never there. Taken advantage no, of I've never space. taken advantage of those. I mean, our our lactating mothers don't even have a space, but we had a safe space for people that couldn't handle the uh, uh, the results of what the. What do you think in the big picture this is doing to young people? I mean, I mean, we're I mean we're making them victims, right? And right. so so what in the big picture is happening to these kids 
Like, I mean, we would never be able to get into another World War II because yeah. none of those soldiers in World War II needed safe spaces, right. right? And so it's like, what are we doing to our generation of young people from what you are experiencing at your workplace of higher education? You nailed it right on the head. It's the victimization mentality. It's the weakness. It's the, there's no more pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out. Um, it's very much run and tell a superior and then they're going to come after you. Mm -hmm. Or I, I guess there's these websites that you can go to, like rate a teacher dot doc or dot ed or something mm -hmm. like that. I've never looked at it, but I've been told. So students will go on there and rate educators on higher education and they can say basically anything they want, whether they're good or bad or why they're good and why they're bad. And so there's always a place to run to, mm -hmm. to cry. Um, and it's hard for me because I teach in a certain discipline where I prepare students for the work field right when they're done at the place of my employment. And um, it's kind of a learning curve. I'm hard on them. I'm very hard on them. But I'm preparing them to be a worker. Do they appreciate that, you think? I think during the program, they maybe think that I'm a little harsh, but I think after the fact, I get more friend requests on Facebook than ever, ever oh. I thought I would because mm -hmm. they do realize, oh, yep, she was right. Right. <laughs> and there's gratif gratification of that, of course, to, you know, be right. But really, the satisfaction for me comes when I make a person that's employable and a good employee and just make them a better human all the way around. Not that I'm, you know, that fantastic, but it starts somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, I hope that I do that for my students. I mean, so, I mean, I, I just keep thinking of the big picture. What's this going to look like for our society and our country in 30, 40 years if we're, if we're raising uh, victims? And so, uh, you know, let me ask you this question. It just popped in my head from what you just said. Is there, is there like a degree program that's like, like women's studies or a degree program that is LGBTQ, whatever they call them? That are, is there anything that's actually meant for, to actually study this stuff and be a part of that in your campus or anything like that? I don't believe there's anything on my campus Okay, like that. but that's a common thing in higher education, isn't it? If you go to I a, think so. some yep. campuses or... Like, well, we know women's studies is a big thing. It's like, but, but even like the whole LGBTQ thing or whatever it is, uh, it's like where people are actually studying this stuff. And it's like, again, what's this going to do for our society? What's it going to do for these people in their work world? Because these people graduate from a, a campus like the one that you work at, and the students are coddled mm -hmm. for the most part, and that's not going to go well for them. In the long run. Right. Yes, it's it's not going to go well for them. And, and it, you know... Hopefully it's not a cycle that perpetuates itself, but quite frankly, you know, when we have, when I prepare these workers for the field, um, they can't be weak-minded. They're dealing with some high-pressure, high-stress things. Mm -hmm. And so if they are weak-minded and they crack under pressure, no one's going to benefit from that. Right. Anybody. And that's life in general, right? I mean, right. the the area that you work yeah. with, there's very clear indication that that's a very high pressure. But you can't live life without high pressure. And then if you are coddled in your formative years as a victim, that's not going to bold well for you. Oh. Is there a lot of, from what you see, because I think this is kind of a generation that's coming out right now into colleges, and maybe it's been around for a little bit, but do you see a lot of gender-confused, like, different type of... Is it like 50 50 in yeah, your is book? It, is or it what does it look is, like? Is what you experience causing uh, dysfunction in these kids' heads? 
I, I don't see a lot of it. Okay. But you must remember, I'm not, I'm not a teacher that teaches just the general population. I teach in a specific, specific discipline. And so um, there are only males and females in the discipline that I teach. And it's structural. You can see it in their everything about them, the, the shape of their pelvis, the, you know, everything about them says male or female. And so I always say in that lecture, it doesn't matter what you believe or what your patient believes. There are two genders and you must ask certain questions based on their born gender. Right. So it field, doesn't matter. Because of the field you work with in particular. Right. Yeah. So. It was like somebody had said, I saw it on TV somewhere. It's like, you know, in 300 years, if somebody digs up my body, they're not going to, they're going to know male or female. Pardon? They're not going to say, oh, that's a, you know, buy it. Oh, here's a pronoun button. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> and so it's like our very biology tells us what we are. Right. And it's people's brains and what's messed up in there that causes them confusion. So what would, I mean, what would your uh, response be to somebody that's in your, how would you encourage somebody in your shoes that is just facing it for the first time. Okay, I'm new in this uh, in this workplace, and I'm starting to get bombarded by all this political correct, political crazy stuff. What would what would your recommendation be to somebody? You've been doing this for a while, so you're used to this kind of. Um, I would say, pick your battles is a big thing. Pick the platform that you're willing to stand on and stick to it. Do not over immerse yourself in things to become the squeaky wheel, and. Um, you kind of need to earn your stripes before you really can make a stand in, in, in the fact that get to know people on your campus. Let them get to know you as a person first and that you're friendly, you're funny, outgoing, nice, you know, responsible, a good worker. Let them have that perception of you and then bring in more of your personal values slowly and outwardly so that they're like, well, I really like this person. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, then I can respect that. Because if you just go in kind of, quote, you know, right. for lack of better terms, guns a-blazing, you're not going to get the respect probably that you right. so are hoping for. Be patient. Yeah. Earn your stripes, so to speak. Yeah. I love that. We thank you for doing that because it's like we need people to be light everywhere. Even when it's difficult, you don't want to do it. We need the light there. So we're so glad that you're there representing because these kids need somebody in a positive, you know, light. And I think you're doing a great job of that. So Thank you. I love that. You're handling it perfectly. And I wish a lot more people would handle it that way instead of so just going in for it. You know? maybe, this is, maybe this is a question you're not prepared for, but how does, where's your, your, so your Catholic faith, how does that serve you in particular in regards to the battle with this crap? so to speak? Um, I guess I'm strong in the sense th that the foundation that my Catholic faith has given me is where I pull my strength from. First and foremost, pro-life. There, there, no, there is no exception with that. Second is God made male and female of every creature, and that's that. There is nothing else. Um, and, and third, I would say for sure my family my 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 mother is very strong-willed that's where i get my personality from but she is very intelligent and she's taught me to to stand up for mm -hmm. I me mean, my father obviously a little bit too but it mostly came from my mother right. um that it's she taught me to stand on my own two feet and you got to be courageous that's the whole thing of it you have to pray for courage because if you don't have the courage 
you're never going to have the strength to do it. So right. you need you need God in your corner and just those little prayers throughout the day to help you just get that little bit of extra strength to keep going. Like you just had a confrontation and you're so mad and you, you walk away or you see something and it, it infuriates you. You just say a little prayer. Okay, give me, what do I do here? Give me my strength, you know, and then, right. and that's kind of what I go from. No, that's great. You know, because, you know, cur- we don't probably hear this from the pulpit very much, but courage and fortitude are virtues and all virtues only come from God. So if you if you want the virtue of courage and fortitude like you need in your workplace, you have to pray for it. You have to ask God for it. And so, uh, and it's the, it's the one virtue I think that is sorely lacking amidst the crazy that's in the world right now. It's, and so, uh, Brittany, thank you very much for coming in and talking about your your unfortunate experience, but also there's hope uh, in regards to where you work, uh, higher education, this uh, listening area. And so, uh, keep fighting the good fight. We'd thank love you. to have you back on again. Give yeah. us an update with that meeting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and th- thanks for joining us. And so, uh, after this uh, quick break, we'll be on the phone with uh, an author of a, a new Christmas book that is that is uh, recently out, and we'll continue immediately after this break. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 